That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to get serious. So Dave, do the thing and I'm yeah, going to take notes. All right. Well, welcome sure. to episode 10 of the Casual Shooters podcast. Tonight, we have the usual threesome. Me, yeah. Leo, Chris. And we have a guest, Marshall, co-worker of ours, who has a bunch of questions about hunting and rifles. So we are going to delve into that. Marshall, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Hello. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on here. I, I was talking to uh, Leo and Dave over the last few weeks, and um, this is something that over the last few months uh, that I've become increasingly uh, interested in. Um, since uh, my in-laws got a big piece of land down in Spotsylvania and they've been hunting, I am your typical, well, not typical, but I am your Alexandria born and raised, and I am as green as you can get with with firearms in general. Um, I know absolutely nothing. So Leo thought um, that it would be good to have a blank canvas um, because I want to begin a journey to start hunting next year. I would like, I like the concept of going out, um, going into the, the woods and just kind of being one with nature and bringing something home um, to feed the family and save a little money. Um, so I would like for it to become a hobby and we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, I told, was telling Dave that um, my father-in-law in general um, hunts his property with his rifle and um, that's what's most accessible to me to get started with. So the assumption is that I, I would get started in rifle season. And so uh, getting some practice before then and pretty much starting from scratch is, is where I'm starting here. So I can't think of a better place to do that. Well, two things. Smart. One, that's the longest intro in the history of man. Two. <laughs> two. He's been talking I'm to somebody already, who's long-winded. That's why. I'm, I'm already not inviting you back because you have a better radio voice than I do. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of sexy, i got to be honest. I had, to make sure, I had to make sure I got everything out there. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh, you did. So and, you, three, you three are in charge of getting me there. So we can document this thing, and uh, whether it's a gong show or I become a really good hunter, uh, I guess everybody's going to know about it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it. Don't worry. <laughs> so when Marshall first asked, what what rifle do I buy to go hunting, uh, there was only about 700 questions I had. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, was an interesting, it was an interesting conversation. Yes. Um. So I did ask Marshall to text me the address of where he would be hunting. I do have it up on my tablet here, and I'm looking at it. I guess I expected it to be a little bit more self-explanatory when I looked at it, but I'm not sure which section the actual hunting will occur. Um, so if you can identify if you can identify the creek, that's where it would be. Um, Beverly Run. That's the creek I see. Is where's where is that in relationship to where you'll be hunting? Um, so the creek kind of runs adjacent um, to the longest stretch because you have the where the house sits on about ten acres. Okay. Look off to the tree line. I think it borders. I think this. I think the street is Orange Spring Road. So if you. Yep. I believe just south of Orange Springs Road and follow the creek. Yep. 
question that he hunts. I don't I don't know how accurate. I don't know what it what it is that you're seeing, um, but yeah, right along that creek there um, is where he has a few things set up and where he's begun to hunt the property over the last eighteen months. Okay, so is it between the house and the creek then? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, because I, I see where the creek crosses over that road that you mentioned and heads south um, and keeps on trucking. So I can see that clearly. Okay, so it definitely looks like it's a long stretch. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it actually looks fairly wooded. Yeah, and I don't know how updated. What are you using, Google Earth? Uh, just Google Maps on, but satellite view. Yeah. Um, so he he is he's been clearing sections of that. Um, okay. Regular intervals. I don't know. I don't know if it's easy to see on via satellite. Um, I can always take updated shots of it if, if that would be if that would help. But yeah, he's he's been pretty consistent about clearing land back there um, to increase sight lines and get some movement back there. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh. I'll tell you this, though. Be prepared. Deer, when there is a creek or, or, or waterway, I'm a big bow hunter, but, you know, I have right behind it, too, but when you shoot a deer, and if it's not a drop down, knock down kill, they are going to go to the closest water source. There's mm -hmm. something about it. It's just their instinct. You know, they want to drink, you know, and and depending on the creek size, which I don't know the creek size, I just know where I hunt at because I, I hunt in West Virginia. And uh, <laughs> where I hunt at, there's a creek there. It's uh, pretty wide and kind of deep. Yeah, they this, like, yeah this, one, this one isn't particularly deep, um, but it, it, it but it does it does run a good a, a good distance along the property line though. Yeah, so so if you ever have to go track, go look look in the creek first because that's where they like to go, and then you then it's I don't know how steep it is because then you're gonna have to be like oh well I gotta go down there and go get them. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta get in my body here. <laughs> so and this this is gonna sound incredibly. I don't know. This might make you guys laugh, but um, what really spurred this was I tried deer backstrap. Oh that yeah, cooked. Yeah, that's rotisserie. Dave likes anything from the back. <laughs> yep, true story. Not a sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but seriously, like I, I, I you know, between, between that, and I'm like, you know what? Now and we move down to Culpeper, and I'm closer to the property. Um, I enjoy being out there. Um, I would love to put a deer in the freezer every year. Oh, yeah. Okay. So just to confirm a couple things, um, you're not looking to go anywhere else, just shoot that property or just hunt that property. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, t I'm totally open to um, not, not just there. I mean, that's probably where I would get started. Okay that's the most accessible to where I could be. But I, um, I, I've, I've talked to a few other people about places they go. Um, but I feel like I need to, <laughs> I need to get some, get some practice. I need to know what I'm doing before joining others on at other locations. 
Get your hunting legs. Like a complete fool, by the way. But you got to start somewhere, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So we were talking about a couple things. Um, one of the one of my questions was, what distance are we looking at? Because that, as Leo knows, he was there at the time. I said that determines whether or not you can use just a twelve gauge rifled slug, or you need to go something with a farther reach and you made the comment that it could be as far as about eight to nine hundred yards as the farthest shot yeah de depending on depending on where you are um not that i would make that shot <laughs> right i'm also no, trying I understand to understand that i'm not having much much experience making that call but there are portions where if you kind of stand down by the creek you can easily see eight to nine hundred yards in front of you um in terms of learning what's an accurate shot given that distance um those are the things that i probably need to learn well uh i mean i wouldn't recommend that length of a shot anywhere there are way too many variables involved um and without a lot of experience that's that's an easy aim for the shoulder hit in the ass you mm -hmm. know or be or just completely miss so yeah you know I, I would say instead of killing an animal which is you know, yeah so let, me throw, let, say, me, let me throw back on you guys for somebody not having a lot of experience somebody is getting started somebody that is interested in hunting in this manner i think is a reasonable distance to kind of build up to 200 yeah, I would, I would, I would max you out right now at three hundred, um, just because e even at three hundred, wind effect is not a whole lot. So there is some effect, but but not much because your trajectory is going to be so flat based on the calibers we're going to talk about. So three hundred would be fairly simple. I would say what. Chris was saying 200 is not bad. So 400 is probably the extreme with okay. 300 with 300 being more of a reasonable limitation. Uh, 200 shouldn't be too difficult and 100 should be nothing really. It should be fairly simple. Okay. Um, now, some of the calibers we talked about was 243, 6.5 Creed, 270, and 308. That's like your biggest range of hunting calibers. You've got some other ones, 30-06, whatever, but um, they're all very popular. Uh, they all shoot very flat. They can all take deer here in Virginia very easily. Um, uh, because I have a 6.5 Creed and I have a 308, I'm on other forums and I've been I've been reading stuff of guys taking larger game animals out west at 800 yards with the 6.5 Creedmoor. So I know that round um, has the ballistic capability of reaching out and doing it. I just don't know that I would want to take something large beyond about 600 yards, unless I had a big caliber gun. You know, okay. so. Um, the 
And all of those are, well, the 243, 270, and 308, those are all old school hunting calibers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's typically what you're going to see when people are out hunting. The 6.5 is in its infancy, uh, it's rocketed past most of the other calibers for competition and some hunting. Um, I even read where someone took a 6.5 Creed to Africa, and I forget what animal they took, but it was one of the more difficult uh, animals to bring down. So it's getting quite the track record in a very short period of time. Okay. And the the velocity on that uh, approaches and sometimes exceeds 3,000 feet per second. So it, it is moving. Now, now the... One of my questions that we didn't talk about was bolt gun versus semi-auto, because that's another option. Um, If you want something where you're going to want to be able to take a more rapid follow-up shot, well, that would be your semi-auto. What you would probably hear in the office, a lot of people call an AR-10. So something like that, the 243, the 270, and... For the most part, the 308 are all bolt guns. There are a lot of AR-10, 308 caliber bolt guns out there, but that's, I I don't know that that's used often for hunting, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But with a bolt gun, without a lot of of time behind a scope and practicing bolt manipulation, then your follow-up shot is not going to be very fast. Right. So that's where a semi-auto might be easier in that regard because there is no bolt manipulation. As soon as the recoil is done, you're basically ready for your next shot. Okay. So different things to think about. Um, Okay. Yeah. And like Dave was talking about in the beginning – course it also depends on the rifle that you're going to purchase or go with i mean i'm not going to knock any pacific brand or say there's one better than the other they're all good rifles it's just what you're comfortable with what you like and what fits you uh, i know i'm a big guy so the stock and everything has to be a little bit longer for me for where the where the trigger is because it was if i get a short stock i'm just not comfortable you know also scope the scope setup um you're also going to be dealing with that i know dave has a lot of information about dealing with type different types of scopes and everything of that nature um and and that's yes (laughs) and that's something that you want to want to look into you don't have now i will say this a lot of a lot of people will sit there and be like, oh, you got to get this type of scope, blah, blah, blah. Get a, a decent introductory scope. And I mean, I have a sight mark on mine. Vortex are good, but I'm not going to knock you know any other ones. But you want a decent uh, scope before you go out there and be spending like thousands of dollars on like a Zeiss or Leopold. You know, that's just... <laughs> You're paying for a name as opposed to anything that's going to be any better. It's like buying a 15-year-old scotch versus a 12-year-old scotch. They both taste the same. Right. You're paying for time. 
Um, yeah, I, I think the big the big things you're looking for with scopes is basically uh, repeatability and holding a zero. Yeah, I mean those are kind of the two big things. If it'll hold a zero and you can take up, you know, multiple shots and not have to worry about it, you know, being mounted improperly or anything like that. If as long as it holds a zero, you know, four hundred dollars. Because there's people will talk about if you buy a seven hundred dollar gun, you need a fourteen hundred dollar scope. Yeah. Okay. Well, you give me. 3,700 hours of overtime and I'll be able to pay for that. <laughs> or I could buy, you know, a $400 gun and a $400 scope. And it, as long as it holds zero, I'm, I'm going to get the same result. Right. right. I, I have a, a, a rifle scope on my 308 that didn't even cost $400. It may have cost 300. There you go. And, and at 600 yards, I put 11 out of 20 rounds in a six-inch circle. At 600 yards. Damn. So you don't have to spend a lot of money for something that will work. Yeah. Okay. So, so definitely, definitely look into that. And uh, I'm, I'm for sure that you're going to probably have uh, take it to a, a shop uh, someplace and have them mounted and. Make sure it's all leveled and everything. Now, I mean, well, I Dave's garage, own. right? Dave's garage is perfect place. I love that yeah, place. Come yeah. in your garage, Dave. By the way, that's a trade uh, for Dave's uh, for the shop. Whenever we open that up after we all retire from here, Dave's sure. garage, name of the shop, TM. Yeah, I'll be, <laughs> be his first customer here over the next few months. There you go. There you go. They actually, actually have- there's a there's a paramedic student that's already been to my house and done it. No, okay. <laughs> Great place. Dave's, Dave's Garage. They have hot coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, glass is another one. And that's a whole, I mean, that's almost a whole episode in and of itself. You could almost break down every part of this into its own episode. Um, but they all kind of work together. Like they were saying, you know, do you want to, just to throw some things out there, you want a a mill scope? Do you want a minute of angle scope? Do you want quarter minute of angles, tenth of mill adjustments? Do you want eighth of way adjustment? Um, so the you talk, Dave, it sounds like I need to bring you with me. <laughs> well, and the uh, other thing is, you need because- like if you're if your if your scope is in minutes, but your turret is in minutes of angle. I mean, you need and or if it's MRAD or BDC or what, like you have to know that, like Dave, I'm fairly certain with his uh, previous life experience, Dave could probably make that calculation adjustment fairly quickly. Okay. Whereas I'd be like, I'm gonna mm, divide it by the square root of pi times three. I don't know. I'm just gonna <laughs> press it and go boom. Right, we'll pretty close. Back. Yeah. <laughs> So like those like you got to know stuff like that. I mean it's there's so much stuff. So in essence, we were cavemen and we threw sticks at buffalo, and now our sticks go kaboom, and everything else is just so much. Oh yeah. So and and I would be recommending an MOA scope. I wouldn't be recommending a mill yeah. scope, but we can. Um, I, I would actually recommend the scope that I have on my gun. So I'll get you that information. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that out over the podcast, but I will I will get you that information. Um, 
And because another thing that none of us here have even talked about, um, but we did at the, the office there was one of the reasons I asked about distance was we need to figure out what power of scope. You know, if you're not hunting that far, you don't want a super powerful scope because all you're going to see is the hair on the tail. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're, it's going to completely fill your scope. And you're like, I can't see anything. So there's a responsible magnification range in there that would work. Okay. And this yeah. goes back to that. This goes back to that range card too, where, you know, there's a, there's going to be a lot of, okay, one phase, you're going to figure out the gun, the scope, the setup, um, and then you're going to have to take it probably to the property and shoot it, get it all zeroed in. And then the next step is going to be getting to where you're going to be sitting and shooting it from there at all the different locations. And in that case, one, we're doing that range card I was talking about. So you know the distance. So you know either one, what to hold if you're going to do it that way, or two, what you're going to put on your scope. And then number three, what magnification works best at each range. Mm -hmm. Because you don't, you like I said, you, you want to be able to see all of the deer or at least a good portion of it in your scope, not just, you know, all you see is a shoulder. That's right. not what you want to do unless you're, you've never even done this before. So we don't even know if you're capable of shooting with both eyes open. Right. <laughs> a lot of people are not because not insult, they don't, the they don't, they don't write. When you're talking rifle, there's a lot of people that can't because you're trying to look through a scope and focus on a reticle on a target so a lot of people get uh, distracted by having their other eye open. So mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. We've got to figure out what you are comfortable with, what you're capable of, and then going from there. Yeah. Like Chris, how do you when you shoot a scoped rifle, how do you shoot it? Both eyes open, one eye closed. Which is it? Uh, I actually I've learned both. I mean, later I've done with both eyes open, but I've always shot previous before one eye shut and then I had to practice over and over and over and over and over again with both eyes open to because your eye is going to be going back and forth trying to focus in and out as you're looking through because you're going to one eye is going to be like I can see this it looks good and then one eye is going to be like okay back in the scope and then bringing everything up so it goes back and forth it it takes a while to get uh to get it un, under so I mean all we for a beginner, I would say yes. Shoot with one eye, and okay. then practice with with both. But uh, I mean, Dave is a better marksman, so he could have uh, better uh, tips on how to actually shoot with both eyes. I think shooting with both eyes is better. Uh, oh, it's way better. You know, because you just your your vision is is better. So I mean, it allows for a quicker follow up for sure. Because you take a shot with one eye closed, and you you know you, the the boomstick does its thing and all of a sudden you're like okay well now the the creature is no longer in the scope did they drop did they run left did they run right and now you gotta pop your head up and try to figure out what's going on instead of just having both eyes open and then you'll have a quicker pickup on the like where they've gone to 
um, things like that. Um, overcoming that parallax definitely is, it takes getting used to, but I mean, I always shoot both eyes open with pistol, rifle, and, and bow just because my right eye is my dominant eye. Like, I'm right eye dominant, but my right eye sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, my right eye is also my weak eye. So I have to shoot. Like, I had to learn. Go to be shoot. a little bitch. Yeah, get out. <laughs> Feel, fat feels, man. Okay? That's why I learned to shoot with both eyeballs open, because I needed more ocular information, because my right eyeball is lazy. Well, and, and I'm going to throw something else out there that you that you didn't mention. And that is with both eyes open, you you can actually see where your round goes. Right. So you'll be able to, if you miss and hit the dirt or something else, with both eyes open, you can see that better. If one eye's closed and your other eye's in the scope, all your other eye is seeing is this as the gun recoils. If you have both eyes open, then this one, it can still see downrange while this one's being jacked up by recoil. Yep. But again, that's a little bit more advanced. Yeah. Okay. But I tell you, uh, just stepping back a little bit, I tell you when I when I go hunting, um, I scout, scout out the area. I'm sure your father-in-law has done all that stuff and everything like that. Um, and what I would do, and this is kind of a, a cheat technique, but, and then of course it's, it's modern day time and technology's here. But get yourself a little range finder. And what I do is I range out the trees. So I know where I'm going to be shooting from. I can see that tree is like, okay, that's a 200-yard tree right there. So I can mark that tree with something. So I know that if a deer crosses that area, he's within a 200-yard mark. If he's mm-hmm. in between the 200-yard and the 100-yard, I know he's about 150, 175. He's beyond that. So I go out there when I scout, I'm, I've marked areas so that I knew where they are. So I knew what the ranges were. Right. So, so that's something that you might want to, when you're with your father-in-law out there, just figure out your ranges, you know, and figure out what distance it is. And then you'd be like, okay, I know that tree is that distance. I know that tree is this distance. If he's beyond that point, then I'm letting him go, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, All right. I got I've got one that works out to 600 yards. So if I'm hunting, I'm probably not taking a shot beyond that. So I can figure out exactly how far away they are, which is one of the things um, we were going to talk about. So that's good that he brought it up. In that same regard, I'm going to I'm going to add I'm going to add some more to this. I'm going to add another layer to the cake here. Um, <laughs> I like and cake. That's good. That's it's good. good. Movie I too, know layer cake. By the way. Never heard of it. Didn't had no idea. But what I was going to say is, there's also um, once you determine what rifle and caliber and round you're going to go with the cartridge you're going to be using, there are different ballistic programs that allow you to determine what your trajectory is going to be, and there's going to be a range. Um, within your distances that allows you to make no adjustments at all. And you can still aim point of aim, point of impact, and it'll be within so many inches high or low. 
depending mm-hmm. on, and we'll get into that in more depth later, but um, <clears throat> so you may, like he was saying, you could have, you could zero your gun for 200 yards. This is just an example. And if they fall anywhere between 100 and 300, you don't have to touch your sights. You just aim where you need to aim, pull the trigger, and do everything properly, and and they should fall. Yeah, you'll at the very least you'll get a double lung. You might hit heart, but you know within five or six inches, you're you're aiming at an 18 inch target. If you hit anywhere in that vital organ area, plus or minus you know six inches, you're you're putting a deer down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They might you know, do the drunk leg like 40 yards down the way, but yeah, you know, they get the wobble and they're like, I'm going to take a nap. I don't know if, um, if you've ever sat through any of my ballistics classes, Marshall. Uh, I did. I did at one of the CMEs. What was it? Uh, okay. A couple of years ago. Yeah. I want to, I want to say three years ago, Yeah, three or four. I yeah. don't remember. I've sat uh, through all of them because of class, but <laughs> well, And there, you know, part of this, too, is terminal ballistics, which is um, what happens when the round makes impact. And 300 yards is a pretty good, for 308, maybe 270, I'm not sure, definitely 6.5 Creed. Um, 300 yards and in is a good one for terminal ballistics, going back to what Leo was saying, with being inside of that vital organ impact area because it creates the largest um, hydrostatic shock wave in there so it destroys the most amount of vital organ so it gives you a quicker death Mm -hmm. so little things like that that's what comes down to determining what you're gonna go with i just heard and it's funny because i do listen to the vortex nation podcast and they had um, a, a an episode recently that I had not listened to, but then when you started asking these questions, I listened to it because it was talking about terminal ballistics and hunting. And apparently there's a round out there that, uh, I don't think it's Burger, I forget who it is now that makes it, um, that is supposed to encompass all of the best things about all the different rounds out there. And I think it's called terminal ascent. And that is supposedly, well, I don't have Google up on that one, but apparently that's supposed to be the best overall hunting round right now, because it, like I said, it encompasses, um, good long range ballistics as well as um expansion within the animal without losing oh it's federal that's what it is i'm pulling is it, it their up. fusion line um uh, tell you in a minute i mean because at the end of the day uh the big thing with hunting is yes obviously you know, trophy versus, you know, putting food on the table. And obviously your goal is putting food on the table. Um, While that is the end all goal, uh, one of the things that, you know, if you're going to be a good ethical hunter is making a good clean shot um, that's going to put the animal down with the least amount of of pain to the animal and is is going to, you know, 
going to give you the least amount of, of meat loss uh, while still being respectful of the fact that, you know, you don't want to make the animal suffer for too long. Right. Um, right. So as long as you're making good, clean shots, you're causing internal organ destruction as quickly as possible. So they die as quickly and as painlessly as possible. And then you harvest that animal, you know, in an ethical fashion. Like that's the goal. And part of that is obviously being uh, a, a good um, marksman. But the other part of that is having the right equipment and, and taking good shots that you know you're confident in, in, in doing. Like the gun, the gun's capability, you need to at the very least match the firearm capability. And if not, then you need to know what your maximum capability is so that that's like, that's going to be your comfort level so that, you know, you're making a good ethical, you know, harvest of that animal. Mm -hmm. So the gun might be able to shoot out to 600 yards, but if you are only confident shooting at 300, don't shoot beyond 300. Cause now you're just going to shoot and hurt an animal. That's going to be, you know, suffering and out there now at a, 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 uh, natural disadvantage right you know whereas they normally would have been healthy and been able to fend off you know <laughs> you know other uh predacious creatures now they're like well marshall's a dick and winged me and now i can't run so thanks marshall and when they're yeah, dying yeah. they're gonna be like marshall they're gonna you're gonna be their con <laughs> you know con that's gonna be you except they're gonna be screaming marshall yeah. so <laughs> But I tell you, way to go, another, Marshall. Another thing that uh, I know this is more of the after part, and I'm throwing it in early. But uh, yeah, learn how to field dress. I'm sure hey. your <laughs> smells great. Yeah, I'm for sure your father-in-law knows how to do that. But it's good <laughs> for you to learn how to field dress. Don't shoot them in the guts. Yes, don't. I'll tell you Rule right number now. number one. Yeah. Don't shoot them in the guts. Yeah. Uh, Rule number I, I, two, when you are skinning or when you're field dressing, <laughs> don't open the guts by accident. Right. And, and, <laughs> and one other thing, one other thing, just when you're cutting from the, from the, uh, from the rear there, usually you have the, the legs open. Okay. Well, this is a great visual. Hold on. And then, <laughs> Go. With the legs open, okay. There's a little <laughs> thing that looks like this that's down there, you know, like where the legs are. Talking about the booty hole. So yes, <laughs> where boom boom comes out. Yeah, exactly. Don't cut the boom boom. Yeah, yeah. That's where they make. Yeah, yeah. No, I do not intend. Yeah, oh, it's just I'm, long, I'm long sure there's hole. plenty of YouTube videos on how to do it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not hard. But Not I you you start at the top, I work your way back, funny split story. the pelvis, re rip everything out that way. You're good. It's fine. I'll tell you a funny story of a colleague of all four of ours. I won't mention names, but he got this device, and um, it's called a butthole puller. And don't used, get that. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, don't get it. But, however, he got this, and he put it in, yeah. and, and it pulled it out. And so when he got home and he was cleaning up everything, he put it in his dishwasher to wash it to clean it. Don't put it in your dishwasher. <laughs> I know I'm not the most experienced in here, the world. That's not a good idea ever. Yeah. Anything that was inside of another species, don't put it. Ladies and gentlemen, our PSA for the day. 
Don't put things that were inside of another species in your dishwasher. You have a hose. You got a faucet. Do it not in your dishwasher. You made me come country in your washer. Don't don't do that. You got to go down a creek. Wash it down there. Yes. Also, don't buy a butthole puller. Those things are pointless. Yes, they are. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of not a sponsor. There's a lot of things I want to buy, but um, that's that's not on the the list of priorities right now. Buy warm clothes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it doesn't even need to be camo. Deer can't. They're yeah. not going to see you. Just hold still. Deer. You are, need to buy not stuff that smells. Yes. And something that's warm. Okay, so my big takeaway: avoid the butthole puller. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. You'll see it at Walmart. I got a page of notes. I got a page of notes, and I'm going to make sure I do not buy a butthole puller. You should put an arrow. That should be at the top of the list, uh, right above get a gun, get ammo, learn to shoot. Um, Butthole puller at the top of that list. (laughs) Negative. (laughs) Not to be confused with Butthole Surfers, the band. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's a great band name, by the way. Okay, so just to recap some stuff real quick. Okay. So, um, so we're, we've talked calibers, or at least we've initially touched on calibers, right? Yep. Uh, we talked about some some variables as far as you know distance, uh, kind of not necessarily topography, but what you're going to be like the the environment you're going to be shooting in. Um, uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, bolt versus semi-automatic um, and then, you know, confidence in what capabilities you have versus what the rifle has, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What else do you have questions about? Um, and then Dave and or Huggy, like what other things do you think besides butthole pullers and camo uh, do we need to talk about um, as far well, as things that he's going to need to know? See, the, big, the big thing, the big thing here is, um, I've been writing down everything that you guys have said is being very careful to hear, to understand that I actually don't know what I don't know yet. And as of right now, I feel like I have enough to get me in the ball. What's going to be my range. I start out with, um, I have a good sense of where I'm going to be practicing and, um, over, over the next 10, 12 months. And the big thing here now is getting the practice, getting familiar, um, with the gun itself. Um, taking these factors into consideration and kind of what's what I'm going to end up with so that now I can get out there and start practicing, um, getting a feel for it, um, getting some repetition, getting some muscle memory down. Those are things that I, I hope to accomplish over the coming months for sure. Yeah. i tell you another thing is when you're out there, uh, try to look and see. Sometimes you, you can look at the ground and you can see where they're moving. So a lot of times they have a route that they normally take all the time. Mm-hmm. So try to w- look at the ground, see if there is a path that has been worn through. Mm-hmm. Because that's a good indication that, oh, okay, they're going to be coming through here. So right. I can set up over here and be out of the way. So yeah. that's one thing you want to look at when you're out there scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when you're going hunting, I would suggest you do not wear any, like, wear a non-fragrant deodorant. Don't be putting mm-hmm. it on all, when you take a shower or anything, wear, use a non, 
non-fragrant soap because you don't buying, eat asparagus either. Yeah, spit it out. Yes, sorry. <laughs> uh, don't don't wear anything that's going to smell. That's the whole thing because yeah. they will smell you quickly and will look at you from a distance and be like, "Yeah, mm -mm, I'm not coming that way" because they can well, smell. So it's interesting because that's one of the other things. Um, and I, I don't know how much uh, Dave will have on this one. I, I, he'll probably have some pretty good input on this. Hunting the wind. Um, like you could scout out all day long and be like, they come through this, you know, spot. They go down the creek and come up because there's out of the either the feeder or there's acorns or, or whatever their food source is. Because usually they're they come for the food source and then they go back to where they're going to go take a nap. Mm -hmm. um, so, cause that's basically their routine is they wake up. They're like, I got to take a pee. I got to go eat. Then I'm going to come back, take a pee on the way and then go back and take a nap. Mm -hmm. um, but hunting the wind. Cause if you, you could have all this stuff scouted out. And if you are sitting in your stand, cause around here, you're not going to be doing a lot of glassing and walking. You're going to be sitting in a stand or in your blind or whatever. And if you are upwind of them, and they catch whiff of you because you didn't see what the wind was going to be that day. You you're basically just sitting in the woods. Yeah, that's see that's it's reason it's called hunting and not killing. Yeah, that's that's good advice. And the big thing is because I'm serious about that. I don't want to just do something haphazardly. So part of the reason why, uh, you know, I did want to come on here is because uh, we we've talked for about 40 minutes now about so many things to consider. This is a lot more nuanced. Then picking up a gun, going out in the woods, and taking down an animal. I mean, there's yeah. consider and I yeah, want to do this. Everybody do it. Yeah. I want to do this right. right. I want to do it right. So you know, I, there was no apprehension about coming on. I know I probably sound dumb and sound green, but uh, but I tell you, where we go from here. <laughs> yeah. Another thing is um, <laughs> hunting is being patient too. Um, mm -hmm. I will tell you right now, deer are smart. And they will wait until dusk. And I mean, like, the sun is, like, going down and you're just, like, almost seeing a shadow. You know, that's when they come out. Some of them, some of them do. Now, not all. Some of them do. But I, out at night. Exactly. Well, you're welcome, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, we, need, we need somebody on the soundtrack. That's right. <laughs> but, yes, I'm just saying... Be patient because a lot of times you'll be sitting there and you'll be bored out of your mind. You're going to be like, oh, God, is anything going to come? Oh, this sucks. And then you'll hear something move. And you're like, oh, oh. And it's a damn chipmunk. And you're like, damn it. Yeah. Them <laughs> well, let me tiny have, creatures. Let me have, let me I told you that. Let Them me small creatures that. make the most sound in the woods. I will do anything for a nice little break from the three kids. Okay. Now, don't threaten me with being bored in the woods, but <laughs> I would. That's I would the big take, thing. I would take that right now, Leo. You probably understand. I understand. Yeah, I understand. Well, uh, but I mean, well, patience—it it translates not just to the actual sitting, but it translates to your shooting. Because yeah, right. if you've never shot a living creature before, and now they're in either your scope or your peep sight on your bow or in your iron sights, your crosshair, whatever you want to call it, and your heart is racing, that will absolutely jack up your shot. If you've never shot at anything that has a heartbeat, it is, it, it, 
it's like nothing else you've ever done before. That's like a quarterback with happy feet. Oh, yeah. 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 But he, he might be he alive at the end. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. So you, it's, it, and I'm sure Dave can speak to this a lot more than I can. Only be, I mean, I've only taken down, I've only harvested a few deer in my life. But it, it is a very different experience shooting at a cardboard ninja than it is shooting at something that when you're done, if you've done your job, it's not going to be alive anymore. So right. being patient, going through your checklist of like, okay, breathe, slow down, make sure that my front sight, it, like I'm focused, uh, make sure my trigger press, make sure the safety's off. Cause the last thing you want to do is go to squeeze and you're like, uh, boom stick, don't go boom. Um, right. So like that checklist of what I'm supposed to do, what's my process and all that stuff. Like what, like what, what do you think, Dave? I'm, I mean, for somebody who's done that for a career, like tips. Yeah, tricks. I mean, I mean, you're you're correct. Um, I, that's probably a little bit further down the line. You know, something he's going to have to. That's that's also part of what I would say is shooting from the stand mm-hmm. and making it so that you have the most stable platform you have. And that's part of the reason why. The more stable it is, the less that heartbeat's going to affect it uh, and all of that. So it's all rolled into the actual marksmanship portion of it. Mm-hmm. So it's dealing with that stress. You know, It's no different mm-hmm. than being on your very first uh, extremely critical call. Yeah, so, right. Same Absolutely. thing, but this time... You know that heartbeat and that breathing is going to affect it, right? So it's interesting, man. It's very, it is, it's a weird experience. The first time you get something like that in your sight, you're like, <laughs> yeah, the adrenaline that is just going through you. You're just like, <gasps> and, and and you're just like you're excited, you're amped, but at the same time, you're like going, oh, what what do I do next? Oh, I got it. Uh, so. And eventually you you'll you'll calm down, but you gotta kind of get yourself under control. Like, okay, 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 be cool, be calm. Okay, what's it doing? Is it moving? No. Okay, let's just keep an eye on it, you know, and watch it. And you got, and that's another thing. Once you, of course, you shoot it and it goes down, and you drop it. You you can't just be like, okay, I'm getting out of the blind. I'm walking right over there to it. Hmm. Give it, give it, you know. Anywhere from, I usually give it about 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. To just, to, to let it die. Mm-hmm. Because I have gone up on deer before that I thought was dead. And I get there and they're like, nah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. It's like, like Tommy boy. Yeah. It is a very off-putting experience when you walk up to a creature. You're like, yeah, he gone. And then he's like, what up? And, and he starts running, and you're like, well, my 20-yard trek just became 300 yards, and now i got to drag him. Because if, if it's not a buck, you have no handle to hold on to to drag him 340 yards back to your vehicle. you got to be like, let me get my straps out and start hauling. Like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a dookie pile in your britches. There's that. I wasn't going to talk about doo-doo, but... That is very correct. Yeah. As someone who's had to do that in the woods on several occasions, yeah. yep. I'm telling you, you don't need a butthole puller. <laughs> it comes out on its own. 
<laughs> but I mean, I'm excited for you. I mean, there's there's a lot here um, to to gather and the information and everything of that nature. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy it. Like you said, just to be out there with nature and sit out there and just listen to nature. Well, that is true. And uh, Leo said something before, which I had to say, and I'll back it up. Make sure, you know, if you're hunting the November, December, January time, make sure you wear something warm. Have your rain gear. Yeah. And I would get those, like, uh, those hand warmers. Okay, Unabomber. Yeah. <laughs> I get those saying, man. I don't like to be cold. Right. Get those hand warmers. Put those uh, those ones that you open up and they start heating up. You know, after a little bit, get a couple of those and put them in your pockets. You know, keep your hands warm. Okay, Dave said no, but I agree with Dave on this one. <laughs> like, like I like to be cold, but I mean, don't be a little bitch. Well, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I, just, I don't wear a whole bunch of layers. I don't. I just, we we have natural layers. It's right. called adipose tissue. Right. So I don't wear a lot of layers because I just feel like I'm like the Stay Puff, you know, marshmallow. <laughs> you know. And so, it is different when it's boat when you're when you're hunting archery. All those layers change your your right. draw. So exactly. yeah, it does. That that part does suck because a <laughs> lot of times you're just cold. Yeah. And you're like deer better show up. Or I'm going home. <laughs> exactly. And then like hi in five minutes that fat kid's gonna go home. I know it. Exactly. I can see it on his face. I've walked. I've walked out of the woods and got in my vehicle, and next thing I've seen him walking across the road, looking at me like, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, son of a. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, look forward, so I, I look forward to it, guys. I I know you don't know what you don't know, but are there any glaring questions that you have right now? No, honestly, I think. I think you got me in the right direction. Um, all the factors that I need to consider, you put those out there. Um, some of this is now I go research my end and find, judging from what you guys said, what is going to be the fit. Um, I have my um, I have my range. I have an idea, a game plan now. Um, you know, now we just need to now I just need to take the next step and start working towards selecting the gun practicing and having a plan of attack for next hunting season. So I think you guys got me, got me on the right track for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm um, sure your father-in-law is probably putting out a good, nice hunting plot. To, I have yeah. no problem helping with that. If it means I can go hunt there, just to put that out there as a general yeah. statement. Yeah, he's all about it. Um, the only other thing that I would, uh, that I would say before we kind of start closing stuff out is, um, We've talked about a lot of calibers. When I first started hunting, the one thing I always said is, if I can't buy it at Walmart, I'm not going to shoot that caliber. Mm -hmm. My stance on that has definitely changed, um, especially recently. Um, more so recently just because of everything going on with ammunition and, and all that stuff. But um, as Dave has alluded to with some of the more traditional rounds, 243, uh, 308, and then now going into uh, 65 Creed more specifically, um, six five is becoming a much more prolific round. It is becoming very, very popular. Uh, three oh eight is definitely a very popular round, um, but Walmart doesn't always carry the best mm -hmm. 
of those rounds. So even once you find a round, making sure that that round is going to be matched with the, the rifle and get the best performance out of that round in that rifle. So mm-hmm. 308, a lot of different people make 308. A lot of different people make 6.5. And, and not all ammunition is created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, once you start putting it through your rifle, some are going to perform better in the rifle that you get. So mm-hmm. don't just get one. Don't be like, oh, Winchester 308 and call it good. Like try a different, a, a few different variants of that specific round to see what is the best performance you're going to get out of your rifle. Okay. What do you think? You guys, is that good ad, advice? I agree. Yeah. I mean, especially like in the realm of, I know you're not going to do this as of yet, but especially in the realm of reloading, you definitely want to find the right stuff for your gun. That's, <laughs> as we've learned. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, but that's easier to do with reloading than it is buying stuff off the shelf. Right. Yeah. Commercials are going to be a lot harder to do that. That is yeah. True. Before I started reloading my 6.5, um, I tried like six different um, types of cartridges through my 6.5, and I still wasn't completely thrilled with all of the results. So it, it's that's a whole other topic. Yeah. That's yes. all I'm going to say. That's a whole it, other it topic. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. That gets super deep. Mm hmm. So anyway, I'll yeah, stop. That's, that's that was the last thing, the last kind of thought that I had about it. Um, gentlemen, you guys got anything? No, I just I just want to say thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Like it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Just kind of where do you get started? What do you need to consider? And you know, you guys laid it out for me, so I definitely appreciate it. Not a problem. Well, I like I said, I look forward to seeing that picture with you in your first. Yeah. or buck you know you know sitting yeah, there I'm sharing the podcast there you go there you go so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it you know you right there saying yeah i did it that's right that's all right appreciate that, you guys eating that back no problem good stuff have a good one all right you too see you.